It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another session of Knox Talk. Today is Tuesday, the 1st of June, and I am indeed Paul, and my co-host from Rocky Top and the Ball Radio Network is Brandon Parks. How are we doing today, buddy? Hey, Paul, we're doing great. It's uh, it's an exciting time of year. We've got the summer upon us, but we've also got uh, college baseball and the uh, the launch of the regionals and super regionals and college world series. Um, and then not to mention, we just passed over the hundred days to kick off for football season. So there's certainly a lot going on in our sports world. And you're right about that. I love this. I'm a college baseball guy. Softball's happening in Oklahoma City in two days. It's all going to go on. So today though, we're going to go after uh, two subjects. We're going to tackle two things today, Brandon. The first is going to be relevant television programming in the era of conference networks. And the second is going to be the relevancy of summer promotions in college sports. So we're going to talk about TV first. I I can tell you that I can remember as a kid flipping through the channels and finding, this dates me, the Fred Aker show on television. It was was so terrible that you could not change the channel. This was a former Texas coach who was sitting in a John boat and the camera had to be in a John boat next to him, and he just sat there and talked about the Texas game with no highlights, and you're just like, what is this awfulness on television? I think uh, that was my first introduction to a coaching show, but they uh, I'm not sure if they got better or worse, but Bear Bryant, I remember looking at those old highlights of the Bear Bryant show where uh, – he kind of, I think he kind of invented product placement because Golden Flake and Coke, he was eating chips and slugging back Coca-Colas while he's talking <laughs> about Alabama football. And I think anyone who is still an Alabama fan uh, is, identifies themselves as a Golden Flake eater and a uh, Coca-Cola drinker. And then, of course, you know, in my limited world, uh, Coach Bowden and his TV shows, which I thought basically he created just as a recruiting tool because he would yeah. – mention every single boy's name, he would mention their hometown, and then he would go on top of that by telling us what that mama's cooking specialty was. Uh, And so any play required a 30 to 45 second interlude because he needed to tell you all of that information, the hometown, how good her lasagna was, how the fact that the garlic bread was made perfectly while he was there, uh, it went on and on. And so that was kind of television as I was kind of coming up. But now in this new era of the NIL and, and competing with player and social media content. I, I think that ancillary programming, this is my opinion. I'm let you go from here, Brandon. I think it needs to go down that player kind of content rabbit hole. Um, and, and my first thing that I thought of was to make this stuff relevant because there's obviously we have games where we're talking about outside of games or trying to create content that's going to work in television is kind of the Olympic model uh, of creating situations where coaches and players become uh, more well-known to people by giving their backstories and telling how they got there uh, and doing that maybe without NIL, but just kind of creating content that way. And I'm just trying to think of what makes current television relevant now because we need more programming. You guys need programming to sell. Sure, sure. And I I have to mention, you you, you brought up the Bear Bryant show. Uh, and if, if you have the opportunity to visit the Bryant Museum uh, on the campus in Tuscaloosa, uh, they have recreated the actual show set 
mm-hmm. which has the golden flake potato chips and, and the Coca-Cola. <laughs> and it's fascinating to go look at that. But, you know, when you think back to those, those shows and their relevancy, when they first came on and, and you look at the programming in the seventies and the eighties, there was still a period of time where not all college football games were broadcast live on television. Right. And, if, if you were a fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide and your game happened to not be televised, well, one of the ways that you could capture the essence of what it was like on game day uh, was by watching the Bear Bryant TV show. And, so, you know, I, I grew up watching uh, the first shows I remember is the Johnny Major show uh, in, in the mid-80s. And there was many times where Tennessee was not on television. My parents went to the game. And then my first look at the game because uh, I was always fascinated on on what the Tennessee uniform looked like that day, and if they were who the opponent was, and and what they physically looked like, and, and to be able to see some of the actual highlights from the game, a lot of times that was the first time you could see that, other than your normal two minute segment in news um, on the eleven o'clock news the night before. Right, that's very true. Um, and, and so it it had a relevancy then. Um, I do think the, the shows have evolved, like you talked about. Uh, and there's probably two courses of thought behind it. One, I can tell you, there's a show that's programmed to be for the fans. And and I can tell you unequivocally at Tennessee, our fans love to hear the coach talk over game highlights. What went right? What went wrong? What was the thinking behind this play? Why did we make this decision on this play? Uh, and they enjoy that insight. Uh, now, on the flip side, we've had recent coaches here who look at their TV show more as a recruiting tool and they would prefer to do less highlights and more player features because they feel like that insight helps them on the recruiting trail. Um, and so how do you blend the two? Uh, cause you obviously want to have as, as large of an audience as you possibly can. Um, and we're still somewhat unique in Tennessee in the sense that that our Vol television network has local over-the-air stations in every major market in the state of Tennessee. And so on Sundays after a Tennessee football game, you can pick up uh, our coaches' TV show uh, in each of those markets. Uh, but with the evolution of the SEC network and the ACC network, and, and, uh, and then you, you look at the other networks that, that have come on board, um, it's, it's created a real challenge at the local level because – the the conference networks can show so much of the game content and replays. Uh, yeah, and, in, and I think that's ultimately the point, though, isn't it, Brandon? I mean, that, that if you're lucky, but you are unique. I mean, coaches' shows are dying. Coaches' shows are dying all across the country. I mean, you're, you're good that yours is still doing well, but that's not the norm. And and it and there's a bunch of factors. I mean, you, you have been blessed with having coaches that have personalities, but a lot of these guys, they don't have the time, the inclination, uh, or the desire to be spending an hour – to crank out 24 minutes of content anymore. And so even if it has recruiting advantages. So I think your, your, your original point is what do we do? Because you need to sell content and you need to do, and the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pat, all these networks are creating content, but they're mostly games. But you need to have content on your own, even if you put it up on your own social channels. And so what, is that, what does that content look like? Yeah, and, and I'll say this too, with, with the evolution of the networks, it's not fair to think that a conference network can dive into the level that each individual institution can of their right. own program. Right. Because uh, you, you, you start thinking about great games, great seasons, documentaries on certain players and things like that. 
you know, that, that there's just not enough manpower for, for one network to be able to do that for an entire conference for every team in the conference and, and really do it justice. And so, you know, we certainly have to look at what opportunities exist. I, I think fans continue to want to have unique, exclusive content. And, and I, we continue to hear that, that people want to see the things that are more behind the scenes and what it looks like during a game week, what it looks like during uh, a staff meeting, what it, what it looks like preparing to the game. Uh, what does the pregame pageantry look like? So you have that whole hard knocks concept. Um, I think that's really difficult to produce because of the, the number of individuals that, that would essentially have to be on call and on duty 24-7 to, to crank out the content that's needed. Uh, I think you're then asking a lot of your production team to be able to do that. But I, I, think, I think you nailed it, especially in the NIL conversations. I think we have to be able to continue – to tell the unique stories of our, of our players and our coaches and our coaching staffs um, that, that don't necessarily get told uh, on a, on a regular basis. Um, But it it does create this conversation about what is the evolution of a coach's TV show look like? Um, Because, you know, certainly at the local level, it's, it's relevant inventory for us and we do not want to lose that inventory. But I think, I think the programming has to continue to evolve. It does. I, you know, while you were talking, I'm just trying to, you know, it's not like I had this pre-planned, but I was just thinking about kind of three things. Number one is, as you talked about the behind the scenes thing, and I know that uh, Hard Knocks is a great example, but, but that's, you know, they do that every season. A team has to agree to that. But let's say that, that, that you agree to that, that you have a production team behind the scenes. It's going to do some behind the scenes footage. It's not a weekly because it's just not enough content for a weekly, but it could be a three or four times a season deal, or maybe even twice a season where you have behind the scenes footage, you have some coaches meetings and they get, they get some kind of power of, uh, you know, of a veto power on some of the content in there so they can make sure that they're okay with it. But maybe that's two or three episodes a year of kind of behind the scenes of Idaho football or behind the scenes of, uh, uh, of Husky football. But I think the one that to me, I think would just kill it. Um, if you think about the two recruiting seasons we have now, which we've now carved out these two uh, signing periods, I would love as a fan and I love recruiting. I, I would love to have a situation where the content was kind of combined where you got to go to great alums of, of your program Ask them for a recruiting story because they all love telling them. And there's nothing that's going to be untoward about a 1980 story or a 19 or a 2000 story or a 2010 story about how they were recruited, why they were recruited, and then marry those great stories with what's happening now on signing day with the guys that you have now, and see if you can get any of those guys um, or gals involved in the process. And so you've had like maybe if you stretch all that out, you've got maybe four or five programs a year that are eminently sponsorable because that's unbelievable content. You have three behind the scenes shots, maybe one from a bowl situation, two during the season, two recruiting period uh, venues. And then all of that um, creates a solid, if anywhere from 24 to 52 minutes, you know, of programming, which gives you all kinds of internal and then whatever channel you decide to put that on. Sure. You could sell the network and it might be great, but your internal channels will work great too. Well, and, all of that fabulous content. Um, and we talked about the hard knocks piece a moment ago. There's, there's two productions we do throughout the year um, that, that I think deliver terrific content. 
One is a preseason football special, which will will basically cover the month of August leading up to the first kickoff. Um, and it does provide you that behind the scenes content uh, relative to practice footage, coaches being mic'd up, players being mic'd up, player features, assistant coach features, those kinds of things. And, and I think, you know, I, I know our fans have thoroughly enjoyed that ramp up to football season because it's not a situation where, where our host sits with a panel and they discuss what our record's going to be. It, it is more the meat and potatoes on this is what it looks like preparing for an upcoming football season behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's performed really well. And then we come in in basketball season um, just before we start SEC play, and, and we have a, a pre-conference TV special, uh, which brings fans quickly up to date on everything that's happened in, in our, our men's and women's basketball programs, both in November and December. And then it dives into – what what are the unique things? What what is what do each of our individual teams look like? Um, and and you do get more of those behind the scenes stories. I think I think as we evolve, I think exactly what you're talking about. I think we're going to go more towards specials type opportunities. Um, and recruiting is a great example. Um, and certainly the stories you can pull from the past and then also the current make a lot of sense. Um, I just I think overall our programming will will probably get will probably be more creative. Um, and, and I so do there's think too, there's too much competition to not let it be, Brandon. I mean, that's the problem. You're, you're competing against not only your own networks for programming and trying to create something relevant, but you're also competing against every internet idiot out there that wants to create his own podcast like us. Oh, precisely. Um, and every radio show that's on and, and, and every radio show that then does a TV show on Sundays, cause we've got that going on here in our market. Um, and I'll, I'll throw another one out there we're also challenged against ourselves competing for content for partners. Right. And, and, you know, certain categories, certain sponsors that probably lean more towards technology, they're looking for exclusive content. Um, and we, we recently just had a call with another partner, uh, prospective partner. And, and, and we were talking about things that we could deliver potentially from game day that get outside of the actual field of play. And, you know, how do we film and create content around the ball walk? or our band march to the stadium. So it is a huge content race uh, that certainly bled from traditional media uh, into the corporate partner world as well. Um, the, the, the good news is there are untold stories galore to be told. It's just um, personnel. We got to have people. You, each school has got to have, have a department that goes out there and, and can find them, can film them. Can, and, and, and you don't need high tech, right? You can do it with your iPhone now. But I mean, you, yeah, yeah. you need people. You need bodies. And, and I think the NIL is going to confuse that. It, well, and I will tell you, the some schools, certainly when we launched to go on the SEC network, some schools in the Southeastern Conference ramped up a lot quicker than others. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're... I think there are varying degrees with with some real separation between those that are more fully staffed and equipped to be able to handle a workload like this versus some other staffs uh, around the country who who they're they're just basically trying to get by uh, because it is all about resources on campus. You know, uh, at Tennessee, shortly after the SEC network came on board, Chris Fuller, uh, who was our head of external at the time, led an initiative uh, that eventually raised well over $10 million to create a Vol for Life VFL Studios that um, uh, 
really could could rival just about anybody in the country as far as the the technology that we now have and the edit base that we have um and then the production booths that we have and then the actual studios where shows can be produced where podcasts can be recorded those kinds of things but the, the message was clear then from espn and the network is the sooner that you can get up to speed and have the technology the more exposure you'll get on the network and uh, you know, it was an arms race then. And here, here's the other thing that plays into this. Not only are we in competition to deliver content externally, but then a lot of these staffs, these production teams are having to produce content internally from a recruiting perspective. Right. And so then, you know, if you look at, if you look at all the sports that exist at Tennessee, well, all of those head coaches have a desire to, to deliver recruiting content to prospective recruits. Mm-hmm. And, and so there, there are many mouths to feed across the board. And, and again, you hit it. It's, it becomes a manpower issue um, more than anything else. But the, but the content is there, no question about it. So we're going to leave that one for now. We might come back to that uh, in season three and dive in more about what uh, that looks like. We also want to talk about summer programming because it's the right time to talk about that. Um, it, it, because and I can tell you experientially uh, from a Knox sports world, we, we believe in this like nobody's business in terms of how we can have success with clients. Uh, and that is because every summer, I don't know if you know this or not, Brandon, but Tennessee is undefeated until they play a game and not competing with games and other content uh, is just incredibly valuable to us. What I'm talking about is if you do any kind of contest over the summer where you're asking fans to engage, whether that's registering, whether that's engaging, whether that's voting, whether that's just doing anything where you're having a sponsor-driven content over the summer that is is highly engaging, uh, you're going to have success. And, And we have banked on this. I know that most clients don't do this, but we have loved it. We start in... As soon as, as soon as the football teams get to camp, that's when people are on their phone and on their iPad and, and on their computer looking for information. And that's when we want to capture them and have fun registering, engaging with anything over the summer. That's when we have the most, uh, that's when we've had the most success. I'll give you a couple examples later, but I, I hope you feel the same way. No, I, I do. And, and the, you know, the month of June, it feels like the college sports calendar year is coming to a close. You've got um, baseball and softball obviously concluding with their NCAA tournaments. And then there's something that happens on July 5th. When people come back off of the July 4th holiday, That they realize that next holiday, Labor Day, and the coming weeks means that football season's just right around the corner. And you're exactly right. I think the activity, because you don't have access to – to the sports team as much during this time of year, the activity ramps up digitally. It's incredible. Um, and the number of promotions that you can do and really effectively do um, is, is, is really, really strong. Um, and we have, we have a number of promotions that, that we will execute up here. Um, but it is a great time for digital content and for partners that want to be engaged with digital content, whether it be through a register to win uh, and you're looking to to create a lead generation campaign, um, or if you're just you're wanting to take advantage of the build up to football season, uh, it's a real opportunity to do so. And just like you said, you know everyone's undefeated uh, until we play that first game, and so you know hope hope is eternal at that point of the year. Um, and and I don't think there's any greater build up to any one single game than there is to the first game of the year because you you've just had the 200 day layoff where you where you've just where you've not had college football. 
uh, and, and so that excitement is it doesn't need to be complicated, right? I mean, no. if you if you just opened up and you said, you know what, I'm just gonna and we did this at Texas. We you know we said, hey, we're just gonna give away two season tickets, and I'm like, really? That's it? That's the promotion? Well, <laughs> we got like thirty thousand people that wanted to get two season yeah. tickets, and I'm like, that's I mean, I know it's Texas, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. The other thing I was gonna say that I think is interesting is that over the last couple of years we've used the team fan bases to do things that weren't necessarily right in the wheelhouse i'll tell you what i mean uh right now at james madison we're going to be launching a, a program for one of our clients that is a summer getaway to a vacation spot uh in virginia and we've tied in some james madison sports stuff same one summer ago uh in idaho we did a very similar promotion where you get to go whitewater rafting with your family, uh, and it had an, a huge Idaho Vandal tie. These are not major programs, but they didn't have a summer kind of whiz-bang approach, but they said, what, is the, what do everyone want to do in the summer? And we attached that family promotion uh, to a school tie, and it could be maybe a former player doing it with you, maybe some coaches doing it with you. It could be just you get a bunch of gear and you get to do it all in your gear. It doesn't matter. Uh, the idea is that that dead period, which those are probably more friendly to kind of June and early July, to your point. Uh, but you get to mid-July and you do a summer register to win uh, for anything uh, that's going to happen during football season. You're going to give your clients a great chance for success. And we take advantage of that at Knox Sports all the time. Well, the, the other thing on doing something, in, and you think about mid-July or early August, a lot of people think, oh, I need to be engaged in September around the start of the season and the first few weeks of the season. Well, that's when so many partnerships start to get activated. So there's a lot of noise out there in the marketplace. But if, yeah. you, if you do a season ticket giveaway and you, and you start that right after the July 4th holiday, we did the same thing as what you're talking about in Texas. And the, the request on our registration was somewhat unique. It was, it was sponsor related where you had to sign up for the sponsor's app to be registered to win. Nice. And that takes – that takes a little bit more effort than just submitting an email address. Um, but we were, we, we were over 10,000 registrations for it. And awesome. they had, and, and the good news for them is they just picked up 10,000 new app followers. Right. Uh, so that, you know, that was a home run. Uh, and we, we've done the countdown to kick off. Uh, when you start that hundred day countdown to kick off, uh, we've done promotions around that. Uh, something that's sort of uniquely Tennessee. We have a partnership, a 30 plus year partnership with the Tennessee beef council. And the month of July is beef month uh, across the country. And so we take that opportunity while the sponsor traffic may not be as heavy on our official our official site uh, to do some things for our friends at the Beef Council uh, as long as they have been involved with us. Um, so there, there's so many opportunities to take advantage of without even getting into practice reports in August and the content that you then can attach sponsors to. Um, I think, I think it's a time period if, if, if you're good, a potential prospective partner out there, look at starting your campaigns July 1st. Um, you'll get a head start on, on most activations. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of smart partners do that. I love it. And, and by the way, not a terrible idea to make July a uh, beef month. I mean, I, you can't go through July 4th without cooking 9 million pounds of beef. So I, I, I think they, uh, that was not a random, <laughs> random selection. Good job. So anyway, we are, this is uh, also summer, beginning of summer for us. So Brandon and I are going to go uh, buckle down and get ready for uh, the, the, the regionals. Uh, and uh, so we hope that we wish each other luck and, 
And we head off. So this is, uh, again, this is another edition of Knox Talk. I'm Paul Sickman. And on behalf of myself and Brandon Parks, we thank you for listening to us. And we will play another issue next week. So take care, everybody.